Hello and welcome to episode 1105 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, October 11th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. I am dressed like I'm about ready to climb Mount Everest, and it is time to go. You're ready. Uh, I'm ready. A little chilly over there in the office, but uh, but you're ready to go. Big playoff day. We get four games. Very excited for that. I was out at a concert festival this weekend, so I didn't get to take in much playoff baseball outside of uh, radio listening and, and box score uh, watching. So I'm excited to just strap in for the four games today. And uh, any of the underdogs that you like, all, all of the home teams are, are heavy favorites, both in the games today and in the series. Do you like any of the underdogs, Phillies, Mariners, Guardians, Padres? Not talking so much from a betting standpoint, just your general take on them winning. Mm, not I, the Mariners are super interesting. Um, I think they're more of a story than they are uh, a legit contender in the American League. Really? I, th- I think they can. Like I, Astros are my pick to win the World Series. So mm-hmm. obviously, I don't think they're going to win. The, Met, the Mets were mine. Uh, that's why I had them playing. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I feel you there. But um, I think this Mariner, I think this Mariners team can't. They can beat the Astros. I think all three division dogs are live: uh, Phillies, Mariners, Padres, because of that division rivalry, that that closeness. If they're not consumed by being massive underdogs, I think any of those three could rise up. Meanwhile, the Guardians, I straight up pick. I just think they're going to beat the Yankees. So wow. uh, that's the one that I, I fully believe in. And then the others, I, I, I totally get it. Um, I would say if I had to pick a second one, it's weird because maybe it would be the Mariners, even though the Astros are the team that I picked to win the World Series. I think maybe the next best dog is that Mariners team. I think um, it's the Padres. I mean, I think the hard part is they face such it. little little brother syndrome, though, I think. I, think I, I agree. Do they break I, in here? No, I don't think they do. I, I think okay. I think the Dodgers roll them. I think it's a Dodgers, Braves, Yankees, Astros. I think it goes pretty chalk. It, um, it very well may. Uh, that would not surprise me. That would not surprise Vegas. Like I said, big, big underdogs. But uh, I just hope we get good series because I really do believe all these teams yeah. are alive. And if we get a bunch of sweeps, that also won't surprise me because I've been watching baseball long enough to not be too surprised. But um, I do expect good series, and I do expect at least one upset. Uh, ideally, it'll be the one that I picked, but even if it's not, I, I hope we get some fun baseball. Yeah, I, I think that the Padres have the best chance to do it, to be honest. And well, it's the because, short series helps, I, I think, personally. Yeah, and the Dodgers, like as much as they just got a juggernaut of a team, like they don't have a ton of depth. Um, Pitching-wise in particular. Yeah, right? especially yeah, especially the pitching. And so I think what, what wins in the playoffs? It's typically pitching, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, guys getting on a roll and, you know, we saw what, uh, you know, my even year giants did when they clearly weren't the best team, any of the years they were no. in the postseason, but the, you know, the top of that rotation just carried them through and then great bullpen work obviously too. So, and, you know, the, the clutch hitting the guys that were rising up also the studs studying out, we you know what Sandoval did to my tigers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I do think though, cause I agree with you on the Dodgers. I've looked at the pitching and I'm like, geez, what's going on there? You know, should Kimberly even be on the roster? Um, but the, the piece that they're going to put in the rotate in the bullpen from the rotation, I don't know who that is yet. I don't know if it's been announced, if it's, if it's Gonsolin or Heaney, uh, but whoever that is, I think is a huge addition to the bullpen. I think it should be Heaney personally yeah. because they already have three lefties with Urias, Kershaw and Anderson. Plus he gives them a, a second, 
go-to lefty, Heaney and Vesia can then become the top two. Ferguson and Price uh, can kind of be secondary there. So the thing of it is, there's still the Dodgers. And I still think some of the lesser names, like people don't talk about Tommy Canely and Chris Martin and Evan Phillips. I think some of those guys could really rise up and, and become uh, – now, I don't want to say household names, but become more known. And mm -hmm. then we say, oh, that's where their extra pitching came from. It wasn't the well-known names, but it was kind of the next guys that – well, uh, Chris Martin's not a next guy up. He's 36 years old. And same with Kane. <laughs> he's 33. That's the thing. They got old guys here that might actually rise up and be kind of the uh, – be the studs for them. But I agree with you. Their pitching is a little weak relative to a 111-win team. This is not the best pitching we've seen from the Dodgers, despite 111 wins. But anyway, I'm excited for the playoffs. I think it's going to be great. I just, like I said, I just want good series. I don't care if every one of my predictions is wrong. I, that that doesn't bother me in the slightest. I want good baseball. But today, what we're going to be talking about are some small sample superstars, which are perfect for the playoffs because they often uh, produce small sample superstars, guys that pop off for that uh, that one week that they need to become a, a lifelong name in an organization. Talk about your Giants, Travis Ishikawa, will never uh, be forgotten by people who lived through that era. Cody Ross, similarly, you know, and, and others too. We're looking at small sample superstars from the season, though. Guys that had a great burst, and I extrapolated their numbers out to 600 plate appearances just to see. Obviously, when you play with paces, you get goofiness. But could they really fulfill these skills? Is there something here? Maybe not at the high level. I got one guy here with 58 homers. I got another guy with a 40 homer, 20 steal pace. Obviously not asking you if that part is real. But is their talent real enough? for you to be interested in them. I'm in a DC right now because I have a sickness um, and I've, I've been negatively influencing you. This is almost worse than if I just did a ton of drugs and drinking. And yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Like me playing in this league, texting you about it, telling you about it and you not signing up for one has been tremendous willpower. And I'm, I've actually been encouraging you not to, I've been saying I'm a bad influence. Don't do it. Wait. I, I've but, been attending meetings and working my steps and, uh, you know, You're calling, my, call, calling my sponsor and, you know, I got this podcast host and he just doesn't care about my addiction and he's just yeah. flaunting it in my face. By the way, we're not making fun of addiction no. uh, because fantasy can be an addiction. I'm not absolutely in any sort of problem. So I, I don't want to minimize that, but I did sign up for a draft. I've been having a great time with it uh, because it's wide open. The, the draft room is not updated yet. So you can't just go off that. You should never, but but sometimes we all lean on that, right? I don't care how much of a quote-unquote uh, industry expert you are, whatever the heck. I think anybody's lying if they say they never have had look at the top you know, 25 that are listed there based on ADP rank and said, oh, I can pick somebody from here. You can't rely on that because the, Derek, uh, Derek Bouchard uh, over there at uh, NFPC even told people when they sign in the draft, he gives a little uh, intro. He says, hey, this is not updated. If you're going to rely on this, you're going to be out in the cold and that's made it fun. And guys like these guys that we're going to talk about are going to be way down the list. And I'm wondering if you think I should start drafting some of these guys. Let's start with somebody who has a 58 homer pace over 600 point. Appearance. Some people probably already can guess who it is. It's a crafty veteran who was having quite a summer until injury struck and ended Matt Carpenter's amazing re-ascent back into the fantasy consciousness. My man went unconscious for 47 games with 15 homers. 37 ribbies and a blistering 305, 412, 727 line uh, for his triple slash. That's 58 homer pace, 144 ribbies, and 109 runs. Again, nobody thinks Matt Carpenter is going to do that. 
But did he find something here in these 47 games, getting his swing back? There was a lot of talk about how he was working with anyone he could, getting any tips that he could, trying everything to get back. He got back, injury undercut him. He says he's not retiring. He plans to continue to, to bounce back again. What do you think of Matt Carpenter? And did he do enough to get you back on board for something like a draft champions where you could probably get him in? I don't think he'll go before the 25th round at the earliest. Yeah, I mean, I think the 25th round after that, like you're fine making that kind of play. You're talking about yeah, like taking gambles. Yeah, you're you're pretty much getting close to like outside the top 400 picks. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on not just like where he ends up, but uh, like what the playing time situation looks like. Like, mm-hmm. is he going to get a full time role somewhere? Um, I, I would assume he will after what he did, especially because he's going to return for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, and- he's on the roster, by the way. I was going to mention that for the uh, for the Yanks. Carpenter made it, and so he could he could put up more magic in the playoffs, and then mm-hmm. bring himself back into the consciousness of like, oh yeah, remember when he killed it during the year? Mm-hmm. So. That being said, like none of this is like anything he's going to be able to maintain over the course of a full season. You know, he hit 301, he had a 231 XBA. Like he's just, you know, whoa, I didn't I realize mean, it was that stark. Yeah, like you look at like the average exit velocity and it's blue on on uh Savant. Like he he was pulling the ball a ton taking advantage of Yankee Stadium. If he ended up, ends up back in Yankee Stadium, I'm going to be somewhat interested. I think you have to be because it's like the perfect park for him. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about a guy who like all he did was try to pull the ball. Like he pulled the ball 60% of the time, put the ball in the air 53% of the time. Yes. He was just like pulling it throwing it in the air and hoping it got over the fence. And it worked. Um, 14% barrel and a 30% homer to fly ball. But, of course, that's for the amazing small sample. What would you give Carpenter if he goes back to the Yankees and gets 400 plate appearances? He had 154 this year, by the way. 400 plate appearances, I'd say 20 home runs and, like, a 240 batting average. Okay. I mean, that's fine. fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be, like – when you're talking about a guy potentially going outside the top 400 picks, um, like that's a totally fine. I think he could be more valuable. Um, well, honestly, not. Uh, I was going to say more valuable in Yahoo, where he would have multi-position eligibility, but he's not going to have multi-position eligibility, though. Where does Carpenter qualify, by the way? I believe he's just going to qualify in the outfield. Oh, okay, at least it's not util only. Yeah, so, uh, well, yeah, so... Oh. It probably will be at NFPC. That was his most played. Oh, no, he should have. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. 15 games in the outfield. So, I mean, that kind of hurts, but there's also not like a ton of really good UT only guys other than Otani. Um, So, like, it's okay to draft one of those guys, especially late. Um, And I think Carpenter will have regular playing time it's not going to be obviously every day at his age and probably sit against a bunch of lefties mm-hmm. he's 37 as he comes back to earth you're right yeah. you know they'll, they'll be like okay you know we're not going to play because he did well against lefties this year but i think as he comes back to earth he would be sad against lefties more often um and we'd have to kind of see what's up obviously if it goes to the yankees there's a lot of intrigue if not i think we kind of reassess 
from that point with Carpenter. But he's such a cheap pick that if you are in a DC right now and you take him, like I said, 25th round or later, he can even go in the 30s. That's not going to hurt you that much. And the upside mm -hmm. is meaningful. So I, I like Carpenter. Um, and I do think he could be worth I, taking. At the, at the price, Carpenter is not going to hurt you. Like Exactly. Exactly. Let's move to a, a youngster who's going to cost quite a bit more and uh, could also, you know, invigorate some uh, interest in him via the playoffs because he's on the Braves. And that is Vaughn Grissom, who went in the 11th round of the draft I'm in, uh, second baseman for the Braves, took full advantage of Ozzy Albies being out and made it so that they barely missed him. I mean, we, we've we been talking about it, and it's, it's a hot topic across the community uh, pretty much for a while now, you know, about how great the Braves are. And they signed somebody to an extension damn near every day, it seems. Obviously not every day, but, uh, you know, consistently enough, Strider just signed his deal. They're locking up this team, and they're showing that their depth, even when they lose a superstar, even though Albies wasn't playing like one, he is one of their superstars, they just filled right in. And Grissom was incredible. He put up a near 20-20 pace, 19 homers, 19 steals, if you pace out uh, his sample over 600 plate appearances with a 291 average. Uh, he played for uh, 156 plate appearances, put up the 5-5 five and five with that 291 average, 353 OBP, 440 slug. I guess the question is, where does he play next year? Because Albies will be back, but I don't think Marcelo Zuna will be. So I feel like outfield slash I, uh, a DH would be an opportunity. I know he hasn't played the outfield Grissom, but I just feel like somebody who can play high level, uh, high minors and major league middle infield can figure out the outfield. So I feel like that could be the avenue for Grissom. But what do you think about Grissom's talent uh, absent the – the playing time. Don't put that aside for a moment, but just the talent alone, how interested are you? Well, you know where he could play? It's shortstop. That's true because Dan's Dan's he's a free agent. He played two games at shortstop this year. I don't think he's defensively very good at shortstop, but he could play there. Um I don't know that they want him to, <laughs> considering true. you've got a number of ground ball pitchers on this roster. You probably want to get a guy who's a little bit better defensively at shortstop. That being said, uh I think he's going to get an opportunity. I also don't think he's as good as he played coming up. And we started to see kind of the regression coming uh, towards the end of the season, uh, in spite of the fact that, you know, he hit uh, 291. His uh, XBA was 259. Um, he had like a 7% barrel percentage, doesn't have very good exit velocity numbers. He makes a lot of contact but a lot of it's weak contact. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know that he is anything special. Um, and I don't know that he is one of these guys that can get Albies is going to play, right? Is Al, if Albies is healthy, Albies is going to play every day. I know, I know Albies had his struggle, his own struggles prior to the injury, but Albies is locked into a long-term deal. Uh, I think he's one of the faces of this franchise. Albies is going to play every day. If Grisham can't find a defensive home uh, and he's kind of lackluster with the bat in general, I, I wonder how much Grisham plays or becomes more of like a super utility guy. Yeah, I think there is some some risk here with Grisham. And we have to be careful not to get too drunk on, on what he was able to do in that short sample. And just kind of the... Um, the the rising uh, tide of Braves, right? That he gets mm -hmm. caught up in that because they've they've been so great with cultivating talent. 
are we just not questioning any of their players, taking them at face value and saying, let's get every brave that we can. You know, Michael Harris popped off, put up in your 2020 season in 441 plate appearances. Everyone's going to be on him. Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright. You know, these were three breakouts that did full season work uh, or, or very close to. Grissom was more of a small sample standout. I, I do think that he's going to get some of that love. There are things to like, but I think the price is what I'm a little bit nervous about. Heaven forbid he puts up a big playoff because then then I think it's game over. He's going to be going in like a single-digit round, per, perhaps. And I think that's where things can get a little bit sticky with Grissom. If he had brought – you mentioned that he puts the ball in play a lot. He did still have a 22% K rate, though, which was up from the uh, 14% he put up in double-A. Now, don't forget, he skipped triple-A, Von Grissom did. So that's something to note that he was kind of learning on the fly and handling himself quite well. But I, I am a little bit nervous about the 22-year-old. I partly want to check myself to not get too drunk on, on what Grissom was able to do in that short sample. Uh, you know, I got some flashes of like a Brett Laurie from way back when. Remember when he had a nice little mm -hmm. uh, sample to end the year and he was going super high. Now, we haven't seen Grissom go quite that high yet. But Has he gone in your draft? Yeah, he went in the 11th. Ooh, yeah, that's too high for me, I think. Because we were just talking, and you said Tyro Estrada just went. Like, I yeah. would much rather have Tyro well, Estrada. No, Estrada already went, but he went in the – yeah, he went in the 16th. So, Estrada yeah, in the 16th or Grissom I, in the 11th. I'll take Estrada in the 16th. I mean, I, I think I would put Estrada above Grissom, to be honest. I, just, I think so, too. I mean, he did it for a full season. He's more uh, – he being Tyro Estrada, more established. I think as a player, you know, he's going to be 27 next year, has 800 major league plate appearances. Mm -hmm. Last year was his first, like, burst of awesomeness, especially with this with the steals. But, uh, yeah, I think I would, too. I think I would. Yeah. But I don't think that's I, ever really going to happen. I think the only thing that would hurt Tyro Estrada's potential playing time is if the, the report that came out yesterday that the Giants want one of the big free agent shortstops yeah, um, is actually true. I just don't buy it. Like I, like they've got Crawford for another year. Are they really gonna like part Trey Turner at, at second base for a year? Um, yes. I mean, I'd love it. I just don't believe that. Couldn't, that's not what the Giants have done. I think the Giants are gonna end up like. Couldn't you put B, B. Craw at third for a year? I mean, you could, but I mean, why would you? Like Crawford, so that you can uh, get Trey Turner. A trade turn has already played second. Like he, well, I mean, that's fine too. Well, whatever it takes. Put, put, put a straw to a third for the year. Like sure, that, yeah. So I don't know that that should hurt because Estrada can bounce around. I don't know that yeah. that should hurt his playing time because he could just go straight up to the outfield too. That's true. Yeah. As, as, I, long, as long as I'm taking Lago a is a club option, by the way. Long, Longoria, by the way, as far as third base, so, they're not they're not no, exercising no, that no. club option. Um, I was wondering about him. Yeah. No. A, a straw. Uh, uh, Estrada should be going ahead of Von Grissom. I don't think that that um, honestly is that close I, to me. Um, may, maybe it should be closer than I think it is. And um, I haven't done my ranks yet. And so we'll see where he actually comes out on that. But uh, I, I I think Grisham is the fraud out of, out of the, that pairing. I think that's that's fair. I'm I'm more concerned about him. I really do like Grissom, yeah. but I just think the price you're you're paying pretty much full freight off rip, and I'm not quite ready to do that with Vaughn Grissom. Uh, and Tyro Shot, I think, is going to continue to be a bark, and I don't think he's going to be expensive at all. All right, let's head to Texas. We got a trio here of Texas Rangers. One of the upsides uh, or, or silver linings, I guess, of, of being a crummy team is you get to try out a bunch of players. 
and see what sticks. And uh, that's exactly what Texas did here. And they, they landed on a handful of, uh, of small sample studs. In fact, one I didn't even include, I guess he didn't, he didn't make my threshold here. Cause I was definitely going to include Leody Tavares. I don't know why he didn't. Oh, because I did 300 plate appearances and fewer and he was 341. but let's start with Mark Mathias who they got from Milwaukee in the uh, in the Matt Bush deal. Uh, so they got him just this year, and he came up for them, and it was a tiny sample, 74 plate appearances, but he put up five homers and two steals in that time. Now he's 27. This is like a journeyman coming over. He's been Cleveland, Milwaukee, now he's, Texas. He's, he's 28. His birthday is yeah, Okay, so yeah, he's, he's 28. Let's keep all that in mind. He's put up some double-doubles in the minors, you know, uh, he was nine homers, 13 steals in 237 AAA minor league plate appearances this year. Not a stud or anything in, in the making, but is there a world where he finds playing time with this Rangers club where Mark Mathias could become something, or was he just hot for a, a nice little run there and gave people five steals and or five homers and two steals down the stretch? No. No, like, no, no, no. There's nothing here with Mark Mathias. There's nothing here. Like, I mean, you don't like a 35% K rate? No. And uh, a below 80% zone contact rate. Um, yeah. Bad defensively. Uh, like, there's nothing here that goes like he is probably at best in a quad A fifth outfielder type. Uh, he shouldn't be drafted really outside of the deepest leagues. I mean, just no. Yeah. I think that's fair. I had to bring him up, played well, kind of started with the little, uh, with the little appetizer there. And I think the next two kind of get more intriguing for me. Um, Eli white is next on Texas. I still have problems with his contact or severe inability to make it. Um, he, he's been gone for a while. So he kind of fell out of the consciousness because he had wrist surgery that took him out, I believe, in June. So he did his early sampling, uh, early in, or small sampling, early in the season, and he had a uh, he had a wrist surgery. Yeah, that took him out. He was on rehab in September, got hurt again, and that's why he didn't return. But in the time that he was up, and and what he, what uh, Eli White was able to do, his pace, his 600 plate appearance pace, was 15 homers and 62 steals, which is quite a, quite a few there. He's got the speed. He's a blazer. Um, I remember actually reading about Eli White in, at the Athletic coming into the season, where the coaches were super impressed by him, wondering like, "Hmm, what's up with this guy?" And one of the coaches didn't even recognize him. They said, "That's Eli, dude," because he had like a new beard, new swing, new swing. Who this? It didn't quite translate though. He hit 200 on the season, struck out too much, but he did connect for a little bit of power, and he had a ton of speed. Is the speed intriguing enough for Eli White? He also has a 35% K rate, by the way. But is the speed intriguing enough for a 28-year-old Eli White? He'll be 29 next year. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I, All right. I, I, honestly, I'm not even going to make uh, you expound because it, it really uh, is. I'm going to expound just a little bit. Okay, because the contact really. issues are, are terrifying. Yeah. So if you go to our handy-dandy sortable uh, leaderboards over mm -hmm. on Fangraphs, because I'm a company man, um, you can – you know, sort by, you know, 100 plate appearances, right? 100 plate appearance minimum. Eli White has the second worst zone contact rate in oh. all of baseball of players who had 100, at least 100 uh, plate appearances at the major league level with a 69.1%. Not nice. I'm not going to say it. It's, not, it's not nice. I can't lie. 
only one player in baseball was worse. Can you guess who that one player was? It's it's not it's not a big name, but it's someone who people were picking up off the waiver wire off and on throughout the season. Brandon Marsh? No. Jared Kelnick? No. I, I, I'll, gi- I'll give you the division, the uh, NL Central. The NL Central. Patrick Wisdom? No. Right team, though. Christopher Morrell? Correct. Oh, wow. See, I, I like him, but he – He's another guy kind of in this group then, and he didn't make the, the cut. I think he had more than 300 plate appearances, but he's worth bringing up because he was 16 and 10 in his in his sample, and there's some intrigue there. I like some of this talent, but I wonder if Christopher Morell is already kind of a late career Carlos Gomez, not even the early career yeah. where we got the goodness. Yeah, that's interesting. That that scares me with him, even though he's only 24 and there's, there's upside there with Morell. He's got to figure that out if he can be trusted. So not somebody we put on this list, but that's interesting. Eli White was the, that was the only one worse than Christopher Morell at zone contact minimum 100 plate appearances. That's terrifying. So I like Eli White as like an idea, but until he finds <laughs> any amount of contact, I just I can't get like the speed's great, right? That's a standout tool. If if you you know looked at him like a video game card, his speed would be off the charts. His power wouldn't be off the charts, but there would be like a little bit of pop. But everything else would be like red. You you ready for you ready for the comp? Yeah. Adam Angle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who he is. Yeah. Like in he plays good when, center field too. And when has Adam Angle ever been fantasy viable? As much he as hasn't. we tried, we tried, tried to make, make him a it. Thing. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I've, I've been on the yep. trying to make Adam Angle a thing. So that's a great comp. And we'll move on to the last Texas guy. Now this one, I guarantee you, you have intrigue in because you liked him coming into the year before he got hurt. As did I big Josh young fan, super bummed that he got hurt this year. I think I inex- uh, uh, incorrectly tabbed it as the, the foot. It was the shoulder this mm-hmm. year that that caused the problems um, that basically limited him to very few games. He played 23 at AAA and then 26 in the majors. But in those 26 of the majors, five homers, two steals. Problem is, he also struck out a ton. Now, the reason that it's different than Eli White and um, who was the first guy? Mark Mathias is because while he did have a 38% K rate, Josh Young did, that's horrendous. We didn't see that in the minors at all. This is uncharacteristic of him. I wonder if he was just kind of swinging for the downs, trying to make his whatever whatever impact he could in his 102 plate appearances. The pace is 29 homers, 12 steals. I firmly believe he's better than a 204 average and a 38% K rate. So I am interested in him. What about you, though? Do you think Josh Young can be something better than what we saw in his small sample? Absolutely. Because aside from the fact that, like you mentioned, like a huge strikeout rate, like he had actually had a league average zone contact rate. So like he was making, you know, a good amount of contact within the zone, uh, especially for a power hitter. We knew his power. He even showed off some stolen base attempts uh, in, in the majors this year, which was a little surprising. Um, I, I think that young is one of those guys that uh, is the definition of a post type sleeper. I think he's got legit six degree power. Uh, I think he's going to have the opportunity to play every day in Texas. I almost wonder if they told him, hey, don't worry about going up there and looking at pitches. Be aggressive. We want to give you some opportunities to take some hacks. It was a lost season for Texas. He was mm-hmm. coming up really, really late um, because he, I mean, he's shown the ability to walk at a double digit rate in the minor leagues, too. And so for him to walk at an under 4% rate um, in AAA and in the majors uh, this year is a little weird, um, especially considering I think he's got a pretty good understanding of the strike zone. 
So yeah. I think Young is a guy that uh, he's probably going to be buried in a lot of ADPs, and mm-hmm. um, especially early on. Uh, and I think he's a guy that people should target. If this is draft champions uh, season right now. Uh, I mean, he's one of those guys. I think if you're getting outside of the 30th round, you're going to be pretty oh, excited. No, it's not, not going to be that deep. 15th round yeah. for my draft. Oh, he's already won the 15th. Okay, yeah. so he is not going to be. He's going to be a teens round kind of guy. Is that cheap enough for you on Josh Young if you're drafting in the 14th to 19th round range? Because I don't think this is necessary. You know, it's a one it's a one shot sample here. 15th round. He could go in the 20th round of some other drafts. We don't know, but for this one draft. He 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 did not sink. This was not an unfair price, in my opinion. Though it was two picks shy of the end of the fifteenth round, so pick two twenty three for Josh Young. Who that's that's tough. Um, the next two third basemen to go, just because that's where he qualified. These two mm-hmm. other guys have other positions, but I'll give you the next two: uh, DJ Lemayhew and Luis Urias. I mean, I'd take both those guys over Young. I, I would think. too. Like I yeah. actually, I don't hate the Young price on its face, but seeing those two. And then after Urias was uh, Anthony Rendon. And I'd rather take the shot on Anthony Rendon. Yeah, I think so. Too. Young at that um, price. I think I'd go uh, Tyro Estrada, Jake Cronenworth, Luis Arise. Uh, I don't know if any of them have third base eligibility. They have in the past, but they're similar. They all went after Young as well. Yeah, I don't know how you can justify that, honestly. I mean, that one's and who, 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 who knows? Who knows, like, you know, is that just a one sample? Because, I mean, he That's should be thing. going outside the top 20 rounds, um, and I would assume he would. But maybe people – like, usually these guys, like, who, you know, have a rookie season that is uh, disappointing, and, and Young's was because of the injury, uh, these guys typically get buried. Uh, mm-hmm. But this doesn't feel like getting buried to me. This feels like um, above what should be market rate for a guy like him. I, I agree. I agree. And while I do like Josh Young, if this is the price and the and when where he's consistently going, I'm not going to end up with as much of him as I thought. Mm-hmm. Me let's too. Move to, let's move over to a guy we've talked about before in this realm. I don't know we, that we do this same exercise every year, but Dylan Moore has been talked about as somebody like, hey, you start extrapolating those numbers. It's always it's always like that. This is another old guy. He's 30, utility guy. I included him because he hit the thresholds, right? He did steal 21 bases this year in 255 plate appearances. There was some value there, but he crushes your average. Um, there's some pop. He had six homers. So his uh, 600 plate appearance paces were 1449 for homers and steals. I don't think he's ever going to get that kind of time. Is there anything here? Do you see any sort of late career breakthrough with Dylan Moore? Or is he just is who he is, which is tons of speed, very little contact, and a little bit of punch in a half season type sample. Yeah, I don't. I don't see much here. I was going to do my no thing again, but uh, I, Dylan Moore is the type of guy you use in DFS against lefty. You you stream when the uh, the Mariners or you know have three lefties in a row on a week. AL only fill in when he's playing yeah. a, a chunk of time too. I think it, it mm-hmm. is where Dylan Moore's value wise is very niche value with super deep leagues or DFS, like yeah. you said, as, I mean, a, as a punt play. He hit like 205 or something. It's right-handed pitching. Like it's just, you just can't do that and be fantasy viable. I agree. And that was what the tough part was about his 2020 because 
we buried this point to, mm -hmm. into the ground, but people were taking that as like a full season and getting too drunk off of it. And he spiked against the righties for 108 plate appearances. And there was a lot of extrapolation and excitement around Dylan Moore. He came right back to earth last year and he wasn't really any better this year. Again, I included him because he hit the thresholds. Not everyone on this list means that we are co-signing them. That's why we're talking through them. I'm also not in on Dylan Moore. I might be in on this next guy though. He's got cool name and, uh, He's a little bit underrated relative to the other outfielders that this young team has. The Arizona Diamondbacks are cultivating outfielders left and right. Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas are getting all the love. Jake McCarthy might have gotten the most love out of that group this year for what he did in the second half, which has left Stone Garrett a little uh, a little overlooked. People aren't turning over that stone, perhaps, uh, despite the fact that he did very well in his small sample. It pays to a 29-homer, 21-steal, 600-plate uh, appearance run. Obviously, it was a very, very small sample. We need to be clear on that. It was 84 plate appearances, but he put up four homers and three steals. He is a prospect of note. He also did some quality work in AAA this year with uh, 28 homers and 15 steals in 440 plate appearances. That was the PCL, so that was a homer haven, a hitter haven, I should say. 25 homers, 17 steals back in 2021 between double and triple a for stone garrett so he's been good he came up and he basically did an 84 plate appearance sample of what he's been doing in the minors do you see something here with stone garrett the one issue with him that i've kind of noticed is that he's a righty who might be a lefty killer um and and find himself on the short side of platoons is that a worry or is stone garrett a a bargain here amongst these arizona outfielders uh it's always good to see early career to Aristides Aquino make a comeback. Um, you know, a little power, a little speed, and no ability to make contact whatsoever. Like, it's, it's always like tough. a sub 80% zone contact rate, an 18% swinging strike rate. Um, I mean, and the strikeout issues go all the way back to the minors as well. Yes. Like, uh, this is not like this is like the definition of a bench hitter. Uh, kind of guy like no do I think he's going to uh, especially with the Dimebacks having these young outfielders coming up uh, I didn't even mention Varsho by the way because the yeah. other three were guys who came up this year Varsho's already there so that's already four yeah without Garrett so mm -hmm. that's why I brought the short side platoon thing up because I really do think he is going to be a short side platoon guy right and now he's not very good defensively either so he doesn't even have that to like you know to gain him some playing time so yeah. uh no, I don't. I don't think Stone Garrett is um, is anything. He's uh, he's a Dolores Garcia without the the defense. Without the defense, and, which is a key component of Adolis Garcia and the luck. Yeah, so. Adolis Garcia went third round in the the draft that I'm doing. By the way, Whew. third round. No, thank you. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I might be wrong on him again. I'm willing. I am yeah, completely fine, willing to flat out miss on him again. Cedric Mullins went after him. A Rosarena went after him. Like that. No. No, Rosarena, no, Rosarena went four picks before. Oh, okay. Him. But still, it was Garcia and then Mullins went after him, Starling Marte, Teoscar, Buxton. Um, I mean take all those guys. Yeah. Those are just the guys that went in the next two rounds. There's guys even later that I would have been more interested in than Garcia. I just I can't. I, I, I really can't. I mean, the same team took Tyler O'Neill in the eighth, and I think I'd rather just do that, but I only want one of those guys. I don't want two guys like that. So anyway, closing the book on Stone Garrett, I agree. I was hoping to find some hype, but I just 
I couldn't. I really couldn't. Uh, what about this next guy? Get another cool name here, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to carry Sky Bolt for Oakland, who, uh, again, bad team, gives an opportunity to put out a lot of different players and give some different opportunities to folks and see if they can uh, take full advantage of it. Bolt was certainly able to do that in his time, and he paced out to a 21-homer, 26-steal type season if he had uh, if he had gotten 600 plate appearances. Is Sky Bolt somebody that the A's can put in their future uh, as somebody who could who could go off? I mean, I don't know. I didn't plan this. All of these guys have major strikeout issues, it seems, because he's another guy. 26% K rate, 198 average. But the power and speed in his 116 plate appearances was enough to make this list. Sky Bolt, anybody that, uh, doing anything for you, I should say? I mean, not really because of the strikeout issues, but... At least he can field a bit, so he's better than and, Stone Garrett, I think. And he's going to play every day, I think, or pretty close. Like He's going to get an opportunity. I don't know if he'll play every day, but he'll get an opportunity to play uh, pretty regularly in Oakland because they have nothing. The problem with a guy like Stone Garrett is Arizona has this really amazing farm system that's now coming up to the majors. Oakland does not have a really amazing farm system, and none of it's coming up to the majors uh, as of as of yet. So uh, I think Sky Bolt could get an opportunity, which makes him interesting um, in the same way that a you know teammate um, Seth Brown was interesting, right? You know, coming into the year, which. He panned out, like, though. And that's exactly what I mean. Like He panned out exactly it's like best-case scenario of what you were looking for from a guy like Seth Brown. So like, I think in a deep DC, I think Sky Bolt makes a lot of sense. I, do I think he's going to like turn into like like a 10 or 12-team viable guy? I, I don't. I, like, I mean, I think he's still like a 15-team deep league, you know, guy who's going to get a lot of play appearances, uh, so he's the perfect for your bench in in a, in a draft champions uh, or draft an old type of uh, league. Uh, but if if you play in tens and twelves, just ignore Sky. You Lee. don't need to know that name. Yeah. And honestly, in tens, like Brown is a little bit fringe. Yeah, as much as I, as much as I love him because mm -hmm. of the batting average piece. So yep. Bolt, Bolt is super fringe, and Bolt is is another guy. Like um, we've kind of run the gamut here with with oldies and young youngsters. He's another guy on that older end. He's gonna be twenty nine mm -hmm. next year too. So yeah. Um, yeah, that that makes it tough with him. All right, another one from a crap team. They found some playing time for this guy, uh, who's another guy who's a bit. This fits the whole mold of what we're doing here, except. He didn't strike out 80 gajillion times. This guy is Alex Call for Washington. He's also 28. Um, th this was his age 27 season, so next year will be his age 28 season. But in a small sample uh, with the Nats, he came over from Cleveland. In a 115 game, uh, excuse me, 115 plate appearance sample, he put up five homers and three steals, although he was three for six. So I want to be careful on giving too much love to those stolen bases. But it is a 23-14 full season pace for Alex Call. And unlike some of these other guys, he put up a line that doesn't make you want to vomit. 23% K rate, 10% walk, good for a 245, 330, 441 for Alex Call. Is there anything here for a journeyman outfielder or another guy that uh, you know just took advantage of his playing time and we're not really keen on? Alex Call for Washington. So unlike the other guys, like you mentioned, like he's not striking out a ton. He actually makes right around league average zone contact. Okay. Um, he also has a pretty decent launch angle. 
So, like, what's the next thing you go and look at? Well, he's got a decent launch angle. He's making a lot of contact. What's his barrel percentage? 1.2%. <laughs> That's so unfair. That's tough. Is that his doing or is that bad luck? Yeah, no, it's his doing. He's got, like, a 200 XDA. Like, it's... No um, juice. No juice there's, on the there's hit, not, there's There's no power in the bat. Like, he's, okay. he's the kind of guy that I think pitchers are just going to attack because they're not afraid that he's going to... Yeah do any damage with it um i think he was a fun story i think he was fun to you know get a couple weeks of really good production yeah well, september pickup that got some yeah juice. Mm -hmm. but i don't think there's anything here that makes sense in terms of uh fantasy viability i think that's totally fair with alex call um the the one thing that would change it is if he if he was like an announced starter at some point during draft season we're like hey we're going with him in the outfield but even a team like this that is you know rebuilding and has open spots i don't think he did anything to really earn himself that spot at age mm -hmm. 28 um they got lane thomas who you know i liked for a breakout he did not come to fruition but he actually rallied toward the finish line ended up just below league average i think he's going to get a spot victor robles is still going to get a spot mm -hmm. unless they move him and then left field is a bit open yadiel hernandez is 35 so maybe alex calls he's playing time there but it might be short side platoon again, Stone Garrett style, yeah. with Yadio Hernandez being the lefty, Alex Call being the righty. You're talking 30th, 30s, 40s type round for draft champions. If you want to take a shot with him, that's the best I could do for Alex Call. Agreed. All right, this next one, taking this guy in the fifth round. I love this guy. <laughs> no, I, I do love Zach McKinstry, but I'm not going to take him in the fifth round. He did have a good uh homer stolen base pace but everything else i'm going to tell you about was not great he goes over to the cubs which i liked because i'm like hey get out of the dodgers get an opportunity to actually play and i don't know what happened man he just he fell apart a bit at the dish i didn't love what he was doing with his hitting um but zach mckinstry put up a 16 homer 23 steal 600 plate appearance pace he was able to put uh that was four homers seven steals in 171 plate appearances 28 percent k though eight percent a walk he was usually better than that uh as a as a plate control guy in the minors uh not a huge walk guy but he could get double digits here and there i didn't think he'd strike out like that and the thing that i'm still encouraged by is it was only a nine percent swinging strike rate justin so i wonder if mckinstry had a little bit of bad luck with those strikeouts like was he getting in deep counts and then just striking out and not walking i i don't know that that swing strike rate does not match the k rate was he just being passive and, and getting himself buried in these counts? I don't know. 272 BABIP didn't help things. So he had 206, 272, 361 slash line. Going to be age 28. Ended up leading off by the end of the season because they couldn't really find anything from a leadoff standpoint in Chicago. Does Zach McKinstry interest you if he has a full-time role with the Cubs? He does. I mean, we're talking about a guy with like a 90% zone contact rate. He was leading off. Got power. He's got speed. He's going to go super cheap. What does that sound like? That sounds Next like Cedric, Cedric Mullins. But, but, but a guy I just mentioned that I that I love, Lane Thomas, he could also be this year's Lane Thomas, right? So that's the right. Yeah, abso absolutely. Because right? I was calling Lane Thomas next year's, uh, mm -hmm. this year's said. So there is a downside there, but I'm going to be back in on McKinstry, and he's also not going to be expensive in the slightest. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think he got a little bit unlucky on balls in play. I also think you're right about the passive, uh, passivity at the plate. I think he was a little bit too passive. You'd like to see him to get a little more aggressive, especially because he's got such good contact skills and he's not like a zero in terms of power at the bat. So I think Miss Kinstry, um, what's his eligibility? So he's going to be eligible oh, yeah, good at question. second, 
third and shortstop in Yahoo. So second, okay, third, and all league shorts and uh, short in Yahoo. Like I'll I'll take that gamble. Like I, I don't think he's gonna be expensive at all. Um, mm-hmm. you know, probably outside the top twenty five rounds. So uh, yeah, I think McKinstry is a guy that I don't think there's any harm, right? I think and I think there is that weird possibility that he does like have a Cedric Mullins type season. Like he, I don't think he's ever going to hit 30 home runs. No, anymore, not 30, but, 30, but like, um, I think it could be teens, teens on both of them. Of his, yeah. His homers and his steals. Yeah. What he, he, I'm sure he could be like a 12, 20 guy type thing. So that'd be nice. That'd be really um, nice. And I, I do think the batting, I mean, he, he definitely got unlucky in balls and play. The XBA was like 220, which is, you know, 20 points higher than where he, you know, he finished anyways. Um, and so, like, yeah, I think maybe good Babbitt luck. He could be like a 240, 250 hitter with double digit home runs and 20 stolen bases. So I'll take that gamble, Lee. Yeah, I, I absolutely will take that gamble on Zach McKinstry. He's definitely somebody I, I liked when he was with the Dodgers, knowing that playing time was going to be his hurdle. He goes to the Cubs, that playing time, not as big of a question. And I think he did enough to earn some more PT next year. So I'll be intrigued by him. And I don't see a huge price tag coming in the um, in the draft champions, which is where he's going to be most viable. And then as we get into the spring, if he does have a guaranteed spot and they are talking about leading off, then I do think you start to see him as somebody who could be drafted in 15s and maybe even 12s as a reserve, depending on the uh, league depth. That's Zach McKinstry. All right, a couple more guys here. Let's go with a catcher. For the Marlins, uh, Nick Fortes put up some really interesting numbers in his small sample. Now, he could never really wrestle that job away from Stallings, Jacob Stallings, even when Stallings was struggling because Stallings is so good behind the dish. That's just going to guarantee him a certain amount of playing time, and he's not going anywhere unless they trade him. Stallings is still under control. But Nick Fortes, as a, as a backup catcher, did put up some decent work, so much so that he was finding some opportunities at DH. He got uh, 11 starts at DH because they, they liked what his bat was doing. He had 240 plate appearances with nine homers and five steals. That's a 600 plate appearance uh, pace of 23 and 13. Nick Fortes also hit 230, 304, 392. So not of a super appealing slash line, but he was able to pack a punch there with the homers and uh, some of the speed. He was five for eight on the bases. I need to mention that when they have a weak success rate. I'm not necessarily seeing the speed so i want to talk about nick fortez more in the power realm because those five steals in eight attempts i think that was just some some blind luck he's never really shown a penchant for running except occasionally in the minors but what about the power here is nick fortez maybe onto something as a quality c2 or even a c3 because you need three or four catchers in in dcs so since we are in dc season i think somebody like nick fortez is worth bringing up do you see any upside here for the 26 year old backstop yeah, I think he's kind of a low end C two in your fifteen catcher leagues, right? So, like, I think we're we're probably gonna be ranking him around somewhere between like twenty four to thirty. Um, yeah, that's fair. Here's the thing: like, for him to keep the value, especially in that park that saps power, like, I think he needs to keep those stolen bases. I think you need to get a handful of stolen bases to kind of add to it. That being said. He was unlucky on balls in play. He had like a 252 Babbitt. I, I was going to say, what What about a batting average spike to counter yeah. the SBs, though? Mm-hmm. If he hits 270. He makes a lot of contact, especially strong contact for a catcher. Like, uh, And so, like, I do think he could be a guy that, you know, in a full season, he's never going to get more than like 400 plate appearances. But yeah. give him you give him like 350 plate appearances, I think he can hit like high teens home runs 
steal a couple bags and actually have like a 260, even maybe a 270 yeah. batting average if he got like enough Babbitt luck. Uh, and so like I think that puts him in the conversation for a C2, like a kind of a mid to late C2 in your 15 team leagues and kind of like a but in a 12 team league, he could be a C2. Like I think he's right there. I think he's probably gonna rank around 24 or 25 for me. So I think he definitely is in the conversation for C2s in your 12 or 12 teams. I completely agree. He is not this guy that I'm about to come. Mm-hmm. I, not at all. But the statistical numbers that you gave is what Adley Rutschman did this year. 13 yeah. homers, four steals, and 254. It's not even what you said, but think about what we thought of Adley Rutschman. You heard Again, it here, folks, people. Paul no. Spores says that Nick Fortes is Adley Rutschman. No. Based on the statistical comps you gave, honestly, a better comp, though, uh, would be uh, Christian Bethencourt, who had 11 homers, five steals, 250. Yeah. And you said more homers there, and I agree. So take a couple steals, maybe say it's only three steals, but it's 16 homers and then the 252 or better average. That, that We've seen what, what this season can be, though, with the good teens-level homers, a handful of steals, and a decent average. That is a perfectly strong C2 Nick Fortes could be and a really sharp C2. Let's not forget he's a good catcher, which is always important. Like Yes, but Stallings is elite, so it's, it's yeah. hard to wrestle from him, but at least they're not bringing in a loser back there because then he wouldn't get as yeah, much. Yeah, they're not bringing in a Jeff Mathis to take Fortes's playing time. Yes, exactly. Um, because if they if they were getting no catching from him, that's something that they would do yeah. so that they kept the great catching because their pitching is so strong. So mm-hmm. Nick Fortes, keep him on your list, especially in DCs. He's a great C3, but probably going to have some C2 viability as we get deeper into draft season. All right, last one. This guy was traded from Atlanta. They didn't want to sign him. They signed every youngster they got, but they didn't want to sign Drew Waters. Instead, they traded him to Kansas City where he got some playing time here to end the season. And uh, made a little impact. He ended up hitting five homers and 109 plate appearances with a 240, 324, 479 line. Good for a 125 WRC+. plus. Um, the full season pace would be 28 homers and 99 ribbies. I didn't include his steals because he didn't steal in the majors. However, he did put up 12 homers and 18 steals in 353 plate appearances at AAA. So there is a speed component to Waters, even though it didn't get to show in the majors. He is known for being somebody who can run. In fact, that might be his carrying tool when it's all said and done because he has a 37% K rate, Justin. 11% walk rate, though. Unlike some of these other guys with these insane K rates, at least Waters backs it up with some walking. What do you think of the 24-year-old Drew Waters? He should have a a great opportunity at full playing time next year Mm -hmm. unless the Royals are insane um, and they have a new regime coming in You know, uh, with Mike Matheny out. Is Dayton Moore out, too? Did they get rid of everybody? I haven't heard Dayton Moore being out. Okay, so just 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 um, just Mike Matheny. So they'll have a I new manager. But uh, no, no, he's gone. That's what I thought. Oh, he, was, he? he was fired on oh, September twenty okay. second. So a new regime coming in. They didn't get Waters, but twenty four year old outfielder who can do some things. I feel like he should at least have an opportunity at winning a job. What do you think of Drew Waters in the little sample that he had in the majors? Are you intrigued? I'm going to call your little sample and raise it with an even smaller sample. Uh-oh. I mean, it's just the last three weeks of the season. Oh, okay. Drew I, thought, I thought you were switching players. No, you're going off of Drew Waters' yes. tiny sample here. Go ahead. Yes. So I'm going to go last three weeks of the season. Okay. So September 15th on, he hit 317, 378, 707 with a 9% walk rate and four home runs. 
he uh, he was a boon to some fantasy leagues, without a doubt. Drew, so there's some Drew Waters fans out now there. Now he did strike out at a 40 percent clip, uh, but during... 474 Babbitt made sure that it didn't hurt too much. Yeah, but he also like he during that during that time like he was making 82 percent zone contact, which is just below league average. That's fine for a power hitter with speed. Like I, I think he is who he is. I think he's gonna strike out. I don't know yeah. if he's gonna strike out at a like a 35% clip. I think he's probably more of like a 28, 29% kind we of guy. With that, with enough yeah. power and speed and walks. Yeah, and, but he's gonna walk at a double jump rate. He's gonna have power, he's gonna have speed. And what do the Royals have? Like the like I think he's going to play every day. Like um, I think I he think certainly gonna, should. Yeah, I think they're gonna give him an opportunity. Um, and I think he's just good enough defensively. Like he, he's not a good defender, but I think he's like, he's not going to hurt them defensively. I think he's going to get an opportunity. They, they've got nothing to lose. He's a former top prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I've always been a Drew Waters guy. Okay. I, you know, I drafted him in draft champions this last year, which is really nice towards the end of the season when my teams were injured, I was able to, you know, throw him in the lineups. I'm going to continue to draft him. I don't think he's going to be extremely expensive or anything like i think people are i think people are probably gonna see the red flags with a strikeout rate um and probably go uh i think i'll go a different direction but and the prospect community uh soured on drew waters as well they buried the guy they buried him like he was not on top 400 list after being like a top 25 top 30 prospect at one point so um i i think that waters is um, a post-type sleeper that I think people are actually going to sleep on. Okay. Um, I think, you know, his average is going to go where the Babbitt will take him because of the mm-hmm. strikeouts. But uh, power and speed, it's hard to ignore that combo. I'm a sucker for it. And I, I think Drew Waters is somebody I'll be taking a look at because I don't think he's going to be expensive at all. Yeah. We are in the 19th round of my draft. He has not gone. I don't think he'll be going for at least another 10 rounds. Yeah, um, I think anywhere after the top – 25 to 30 rounds. I think I'm willing to gamble because, like I said, I think he's going to play. Like, I think they're going to give him that. They hate Edward Olivares. I was going to say, I hope it doesn't come at the expense of (laughs) Olivares. I was just about to say that, dude. I'll be so mad, but it probably will. Let me throw in one other guy on Casey just because he also probably made some fantasy fans. Uh, Nick, Nate Eaton, Nate Eaton, excuse me, stole 11 bases in 122 plate appearances, uh, hit 264. No real power to speak of, just hit the one homer. Any love for Nate Eaton and his speediness? Oh, I mean, a little bit because he does have decent contact skills. The problem is because he has no power to speak of, like will uh, pitchers just decide to challenge him and make him hit to get on board? Um, I think he's I think he's an interesting late guy. Uh, I think the, the other issue becomes like how much do we think stolen bases are going to go up league-wide and does – his kind of speed only profile yes. become so much less valuable. That will undercut. That's yeah. a great point. When if if speed does go up as we expect, but both due to the pitch clock and the enlarged bases, the pitch clock being a bigger reason. Um that will hurt these speed only guys that that's all they bring. So I do think that that's the case with Nate Eaton. Again, we are in draft champion season. So somebody like Nate Eaton does have some intrigue based on that. But uh, that's about it right now. I'd have to see something more steady with his playing time uh, to want to take him in a 15 or 12 standard. Yeah. All right. So there's our guys, uh, some small sample superstars. 
I, they all won't pan out. In fact, we were pretty negative on a lot of them, but there are some gems here that I think if they got their playing time, they're not going to reach these 600 plate appearance paces, but that was just to show the kind of impact that they had in that short sample and highlight what skills they could have if they get the full playing time. My favorite of this group based on cost is probably going to be Zach McKinstry. Um, I do still like Josh Young. I want to see if my draft is an outlier or if that is his his steady price i think matt carpenter somebody i'll have some pickups of as well and nick fortez my least favorites are probably uh vaughn grissom because he's going to be expensive and then maybe like um dylan moore if people still continue to try to make him a thing yeah i i agree i like i mean obviously i think my favorite um is probably I'm gonna go Fortes. I just think Fortes. that he, I was gonna say Fortes or Waters for you, right? Because you like Waters. Yeah, yeah, Waters. Yeah, Waters is my favorite. Fortes, I think, is probably next. I mean, I really like Josh Young, but if yeah, he is, like, if he's in the teens, like I just don't know how you justify it over other other guys. I maybe I will. Maybe I will justify it because I'm sure I, I want to get some shares. Of, of yeah, Young, so I'm gonna be torn on him again. If, I'm just surprised draft. that he's going that high. My, if my if my fifteenth round pick, uh, the, him going in the fifteenth round in in my league, if I hope that's an outlier, but if it's not, mm. I might still convince myself to get one share because I really do like the talent. Yeah, um, he'll end up on one of my teams. I just I I really thought he would be a bargain. It doesn't sound like he is. Yeah, it seems like people aren't sleeping on him. one. Uh, John Birdie went in the fourteenth round. What do you think about that? I understand it, but again, like I get it, but where's he playing? And where did well, I'm not so worried about that because he'll just play everywhere, right? Like, but to me, like, is is what he did sustainable over the course of a full season? Probably not. And then and no probably uh, about it. No shot. And then again, what happens when stolen base numbers go up, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent? Yeah. Like how valuable is a guy who has zero power is not giving you a four homers, Justin. You shut your mouth. Zero power. Yeah, not giving you a great batting average. And I mean, let's say the Marlins are more competitive. Like they're they're getting more and more competitive. Do they want a guy whose best asset is coming off the bench and and giving them a cheap steal? That's the thing. He won't play very much if they are more competitive because he'll be shoved out of those roles where he's getting substantial playing time he'll be like a once or twice a week a pinch hitter type for john birdie so i just think there's no shot i'm drafting him if his if his adp is near no. the 14th round he'll never get cheap enough for me i don't I think mean, isn't he this just gonna be this year's mile straw like i mean yes okay so like, yes. i don't want i don't want that right down to the fact that i will have zero of john yeah. birdie um all right well that's gonna end the show for us today um, I'm not sure what we'll talk about on Friday because this this sample this doesn't quite work for pitchers um, to take small samples and try to extrapolate them. Maybe with some strikeout guys, but it, it, I'd have to find something else to discuss pitchers. So I'll figure it out. We'll, we'll have a topic for Friday. But enjoy the four games. They're about to start here in about 40 minutes, and I will talk to you on Friday. Take it easy. <laughs>